0: Hey, Happy New Year. I hope you guys are having a great week. Thank you for being with us today, and thank you for including us in your day. Welcome to The Quest. It's always great to be together, especially if you happen to be checking us out. If you're checking us out, it is such a privilege that we have to get be able to spend time with you. All right, let's pray together. Prayer is so important. This is such an essential time for us to connect with God. It's such an essential time for us to open our hearts. It's one thing to listen to and to hear about God, but it's so much more important to engage in a conversation with God. And you can do that. You're talking to your best friend. I just want to encourage you to do that as we're praying. Don't let me pray for you. You pray. For you. So let's pray together. Father, we love you so much and I thank you for this day. I thank you for my friends. I thank you for each person that's listening. I thank you for what you have planned for their life. I thank you for what's even going on in their life. Sometimes even the difficult things we know are making us and forming us and shaping us into the people that you want us to be. And what we need, Father, is we need faith. We need patience. We need peace. We need your spirit in us to help us and to strengthen us so that we can make it through the seasons of life. Father, I just as I lift up my friends to you, I pray that you would more than abundantly meet their needs. And Father, that you would touch them. And Father, today through this talk, we ask that you would speak into our lives beyond my words. May your spirit speak individually to the lives of each person that's listening, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in a great series, a series that we've entitled A New Heart for a New Year. It, it, this is the time of year that most people make resolutions. This is the time that most people like to change unwanted behavior in their life. See, that's what happens. A new year can generate a desire for a new life when we're tired of the same old life, when we're tired of our current condition. Maybe we want a healthier life. Maybe we're looking for a more productive life, a more passionate life even, or hopefully a greater spiritual life. Basically what we're saying is we're ready for a new start in a new direction. The problem is, and I mentioned this last week, most people pursue a new direction. They pursue a new behavior in their life without addressing what has produced the current or undesired behavior that they're currently experiencing. In other words, what brought us to where we are? The scripture that we're reading every single week is this. It's found in Proverbs 4, but it says that we're to guard our heart above all else because it determines the course of our lives. So the premise of this series is this. You can write it down. If you want to change life, we need to allow God to change our heart. If you want to change life, allow God to change your heart. See, the heart of a person determines the direction of their life. We are all where we are in life because of the heart that we have nurtured. If we want a new behavior, we need God to shape in us a new heart. This isn't a reference to your physical heart. It's a reference to a heart that is so much more. In fact, the definition of what we're looking at as far as heart goes is this. It refers to our inner man. The heart is a reference to our true self, who we really are, not who we claim to be, not who we tell others we are, the real you. Proverbs 27 tells us this. It says, as a face is reflected in the water, as we see our reflection in the water, so the heart reflects the real person. See, the heart is the source of your intellectual and emotional life. The heart is the source of your motives and your passions, your thoughts, desires, and even your attitudes. In other words, write this down, the heart is the source of our choices and desires. The choices that we make are determined by our heart, which in turn creates the behavior of our life, the direction of our life. So last week we began with the importance of nurturing a clean heart before God. If the heart establishes the direction of our lives and we want a clean heart that brings us closer to God, a heart that is open to God, a heart that is pure, a heart that God makes pure. And that is so important as we begin this series. And today what we're going to be looking at is how do we nurture an uncluttered heart? The world that we live in has made it easy for us to fill our lives with stuff. You don't have to leave the house. You can just order it online and have it delivered to your house. And then you might think, well, you know what? I want it next day. So they make that available to you. And now you get it next day because we can't get the stuff fast enough. See, what ends up happening, and you can write this down, is this, a cluttered heart pursues satisfaction from too many things in life. It it can be possessions, it can be wealth, it can be hobbies, it can be bad things as well as good things. We need to learn to simplify our lives because a cluttered heart creates a cluttered life. The Bible refers to King Solomon as the wisest and wealthiest man that has ever lived. He had everything that he could want in life, and yet he had no satisfaction in life. In the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon writes about his persistent pursuit of something that would satisfy his life, something that would fill the void in his life and give meaning to his life. In fact, in the very first chapter, he writes it this way. He says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And that word vanity in the Hebrew means a vapor. It means empty. So in other words, he's saying that everything is empty. He couldn't find any substance that would satisfy him in in all of his pursuits. A great way to visualize this word and what it means is to picture yourself trying to grab and hold on to air. And when you open your hands, you find it empty. Solomon tried to grab hold of substance and meaning in the things of this earthly life without God. And of course, he kept coming up empty. Solomon chose to explore different pathways in life apart from God to see if fulfillment could be found. In other words, he searches for satisfaction in things like wealth, stuff, work, things, pleasure. In fact, he withheld nothing from himself. In his pursuit and one of the things that he says is this he says it is better to be content with what little you have otherwise you will always be struggling for more and that is like chasing the wind I believe that statement is a great picture of many of our lives today always struggling for more always chasing the wind never content Paul deals with this issue when he writes this he says I know how to live in poverty or prosperity no matter what the situation in my life. He says, I've learned the secret of how to live when I'm full or when I'm hungry, when I have too much or when I have too little. I mention that because if you're expecting abundance all the time, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to think that God has shorted you and you'll start looking for something else. Here is what Paul is saying. You can write it down. You will always have enough. Not only will you have enough, but you currently have enough. Paul uses the word content, which means the ability to see our current condition as sufficient or enough to be satisfied with life. See, when we're unsatisfied with life, when our hearts are constantly looking for more, when we fill our hearts with too many things, the current condition of our life is not good we always will live with a sense of dissatisfaction. In the book of Psalms, David writes that God is aware of all of our days. He always has his eye on those who love him. And he's aware of the conditions that we live in. And I love that the scripture says it this way. He says, he cares for them when times are hard and even in famine, they will have enough. See, if we want an uncluttered heart, we're not gonna be pursuing more. We have to be pursuing less. We have to be pursuing the right things rather than anything and everything. See, when we recognize that we have enough, it's not just about possessions. It's about something greater. And in fact, you can write it down. Enough means having enough is not about the amount we have, but the satisfaction in what we have. King Solomon had everything he wanted, but it didn't satisfy him. And we too have so much, but we also tend to be unsatisfied with what we have the things we say that we can't live without are only for a season we have this tendency to look to things to satisfy us when God is the only one who can satisfy our lives having enough also means this it acknowledges that God is the provider of my life the very nature of God is that he is generous and caring that like a father he provides for his kids that God provides for us And David writes in Psalms, it says, the Lord is the provider of my life. There has to be a sense of satisfaction in life when we acknowledge that all that we have has come from God. Our satisfaction comes from the care that we receive from God. Again, in Psalms, it says this, for God satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. And the truth is, we'll never have satisfaction in life without intimacy with the one who has provided life. If you're looking for satisfaction, then you have to have intimacy with the one who provides the life that you have. When we acknowledge that God is the one who gives us life, when God is the one has provided the things that we have in life, we recognize that as we get closer to God, and we talked about that last week. Also, enough means this. Having enough is not about having what we want, but trusting that God knows what we need. I think one of the greatest contributors of our lack of satisfaction is not knowing the difference between our wants and our needs. Our wants are things that we desire to enhance our life, while our needs are things that we must have for life. And a lot of us don't know the difference. We say we need a new phone or we need something that we don't need, it's just something that we want. We also need to accept that God knows the difference and we're okay with what he provides to us. And maybe the deeper issue is this, do you trust that God knows what you need? Not just for today but for tomorrow, for next week, for next month, for this year and that he will provide for those needs. Again, that kind of trust comes from intimacy with God. Jesus said it this way. He said, don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. Don't miss that. The Father in heaven knows your needs and has promised to meet your needs. Put Him first in all that you do and trust Him in all of your circumstances. One more thing about enough is this. Having enough is not about what we're lacking. It's accepting that what God has provided is sufficient. I feel like this is a big one. Do God's provisions for you satisfy you? Sometimes we tend to act like spoiled kids. We're not happy with what we're given. We're only happy when our wants are satisfied. We're not happy when our needs are satisfied. 2 Corinthians says it this way, God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Listen, not only will God provide, but God already has provided and he will continue to provide for your needs. He will continue to satisfy your life. Keep these scriptures close. And when you find yourself searching for satisfaction in life, pray them to God, read them again and again. This is something that we're constantly going to be challenged in so that we learn to trust God. Listen, things do not satisfy us. And sometimes we need to be reminded of this. You can write down, we'll never experience enough in life until God is the one who satisfies our life. It's so easy to replace God with things, with stuff that wears out, that breaks down, that falls apart. God never lets you down and he satisfies the desires of your life. When you're pursuing many things to fill your life with meaning and with substance and with purpose, I believe that it shows that we have not settled some essential questions that we need to know the answer to. I mean, we'll never experience this satisfaction in life until these essential questions are answered. And the first question is this, what is the point of my life? What is your life about? What is the purpose of your life? Not not the purpose of mankind, not the purpose of someone that you respect. What is your purpose in life? Listen, no one can answer that but you. And where you get the answer to that question will also say a lot about you. It will also point you to where you're looking for the point of your life. Another essential question is this, what gives me life? What fills your tank? What fills you with satisfaction, with joy, with peace? What settles you? What energizes you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? When you think of it, it inspires you. Again, only you can answer that question. Another essential question is this. What really matters in life? What is the list of things in your life that really matter? I mean, you can write down anything. Write down five things if you want. What really matters to you? And you might have thought, wait, I have more than five things that really matter. And I would say that might be the problem. Our lives are full of too many things. But we have to assess, we have to address, what is it that really matters in our life? And then it leads us to his final question. What is essential in my life? Now I believe that this is where the river meets the road what is the one thing that is most important in your life of the many things in your life what is the one thing that you can't live without to me this is the key to the simplified and satisfied life because many people can't answer this question i mean we have things that are really important in our lives like family like our kids our spouse we have things that are really important like our job our financial security our financial planning, all of these things are, are really important. But we have to keep the main thing, the main thing. We have to know what is essential so that we're living for and from that essential issue. Listen, as you go through these questions, you might find that you have a diversified heart. In other words, you have many different things that you're holding on to. And I would say that's something you have to deal with and you have to resolve in your life. Because the many things are keeping your heart cluttered. And it's not that they're bad things. It's that they're keeping you from what is essential in your life. They're keeping you from the most important thing. And the scripture reminds us that there was a religious leader that was trying to trap Jesus. And he asked Jesus this. He said, of all the commandments, which is most important? In other words, what he's saying is, Jesus, of all the commandments, which one is essential? And Jesus says this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, from the essential thing comes all the other things. From what is essential in our life, that will determine all the other things that we have in our lives. As we give time to what is essential, we will stop grabbing for other things to fill our lives to give our lives meaning because we've already identified who gives our lives meaning. Listen, when our hearts are cluttered, we live distracted lives. In other words, it's pulling us in different directions. We get busy doing way too many things, and we're not giving time to what is essential in our life. There's a great example of this in Luke, and it says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Martha had a lot going on. She had company. She had to make sure the table was set right. She had to make sure the silverware was there. She was carrying out the role of hospitality, making sure everybody had something to drink. And that's a great thing, but it kept her from the essential thing. In other words, it was important, but it wasn't essential. And it goes on to say this, Martha says, Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. And Jesus said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course and won't be taken from her. Martha wasn't doing something that was bad. She was doing something that was good. She was just out of touch with what is essential in her life. I just want to remind you that your life is too valuable, that God's love for you is too great for us to waste our life pursuing so many things to satisfy us when God himself is the only one who will satisfy us. I want to encourage you to keep God As the essential thing in your life and from that essential thing you will find yourself pursuing less things you'll find yourself content and satisfied from what is essential and not looking to so many things to fill your life with purpose and satisfaction and meaning all of this comes from our intimacy with God as I said earlier and I just want to encourage you if you don't have that relationship with Jesus then you're not going to experience a satisfied life that God can give you. When you have that relationship with Jesus and you realize that he is the one who's given you and will give you all that you need then all of a sudden we become satisfied with him. I want to encourage you if you don't have that relationship that you would step into that today and you would surrender your heart to him you would open your heart to him as we talked about last week that you would make him your greatest priority, that you would make him what is essential in your life. So let's pray together. Father, I lift up my friends to you, those that are wanting to begin this walk with you, those that are wanting to begin to trust you, those that are learning to trust you with their lives, to open their hearts to you. Father, they need a new heart. They need a clean heart. And Father, I ask today that you would give them that As they put their trust in you, Jesus, and as they put their trust in your death and resurrection, I ask that you would fulfill their lives, that you would give purpose to their lives, that you would give them meaning in life, and Father, that you would satisfy the longings of their life. Not just the things of life, but Father, the emptiness of life, that your purpose would satisfy them. Father, for all of us, we need that in our lives. We need your purpose and we need your presence to satisfy us. And I ask that you would help us. Remind us that less is more. Remind us of what is essential in our lives. Remind us of what we have established. What you said we should establish. That we're to love you first and foremost with all that we have. And from that, we will be able to love others from that we will be able to live a satisfied and a content life father i ask these things in jesus name amen i just want to encourage you and challenge you to this ongoing process where god is the satisfaction of your life listen we live in a culture that we're constantly pulled to online ordering we're constantly pulled to pursuing things in our shopping and keeping busy and all the different things we've got going on and i just want to encourage you that you're always going to have to challenge those things you're always going to have to remind yourself that things do not satisfy you're always going to have to remind yourself that you don't need things you need intimacy with god You need an uncluttered heart to live an uncluttered life. I know that God's going to help you do that. Listen, thank you guys for being with us today. Thank you for, again, making us a part of your day. God's best to you. Have a great rest of your week. Bye-bye.